The Trevor J. Brown Show. The Trevor J. Brown Show is meant for an adult audience. An adult audience. The Trevor J. Brown Show may contain explicit language and topics. Explicit language and topics. Listener discretion is advised. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show. Be a part of the show and email us at inherentdream at yahoo.com. And now, your host, you guessed it, Trevor J. Brown. It's the show. It's my show. It's the Trevor J. Brown Show. Thanks for tuning in this Friday evening. Be sure to join us in the conversation. You can find us at facebook.com backslash the Trevor J. Brown Show. Give us a like there. Also like us at facebook.com backslash Inherent Dream. Our website, inherentdream.com and our website, inherentdream at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening. Our Friday evening show available on Spotify, the Spotify app, Anchor, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. We have links up on our website, InherentDream.com. That's also a place that you want to go to not only listen to the show. We have a link for the Trevor J. Brown Show on Anchor and Spotify and Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. You can see our sponsors. You can see some bios for our contributors. You can uh, find us. We have a link to our Facebook page for Inherent Dream and the show. We also have a link to our music, my music on Spotify, and also chairman of the board music on Spotify. But if you also click on the music tab, you'll uh, see everything that we've ever released with Inherent Dream, including music from myself, chairman of the board, TNV and also the food and song series and we have links there where you can go and uh, and purchase those albums if you would uh, would like to. So check out our website inherentdream.com. We also are working on new music right now and uh, should have some announcements regarding new music here in the uh, coming weeks or so. A football heavy program for you this evening. We have Tim Lingen scheduled to join us we have mark stone scheduled to join us we have predictions from isaac jensen we have predictions from henry jensen we also have predictions from mama brown so that is all coming up here this evening we also have the moron spotlight for you but first i wanted to start off the program tonight honoring one of the most legendary composers of all time that just celebrated a huge birthday This past week, he turned 90 years old. I'm talking about John Williams, the composer, the conductor, the pianist uh, in his career that has spanned seven decades now. He has composed some of the most popular, recognizable, and critically acclaimed film scores in cinematic history. Williams has won 25 Grammy Awards, seven British Academy Film Awards, five Academy Awards and four Golden Globe Awards with 52 nominations for the Academy Award. He is the second most nominated individual after Walt Disney. His compositions are considered classics, masterpieces of film music. Classic FM considers Williams to be one of the greatest composers of classical music in history um just to give you an idea i'll I'll go through here and try to uh 
give you an idea of, of everything that, that uh, he has composed. And uh, you know, he started all the way back in 1954, his career. It was a, a promotional film for the Tourist Information Office of Newfoundland called You Are Welcome. His feature film debut was from uh, a, a film called Daddio, credited as Johnny Williams. The director was Lou Place. Uh, other scores that he did, um, you know, he, he worked in 1958, 1960, 1961. But I would say that uh, the big first score for Johnny Williams was Fiddler on the Roof. Now, this was adapted from material by Jerry Bach. It uh, was up for Academy Award for Best Scoring Adaptation and Original Song Score. That was 1971. So then, as uh, as we go down, I believe that won in 1971. For best, uh, let me. I'll I'll tell you right now if it did. I'm scrolling here. Hack, can we scroll faster? I'm going to 1971. Okay, hold on. 1971. Uh, it was the ap- adaptation score. John Williams won. Uh, he beat out uh, four others, and won in 1971 for the adaptation score of Fiddler on the Roof. So then as we continue to go through the 70s, 1975 Jaws. This is his first collaboration. Actually, not his first collaboration. He worked with Steven Spielberg on a film called The Sugarland Express. But after that, they worked on a little film called Jaws. And uh, that was pretty big. <laughs> that's, a, that's an iconic score. Academy Award for Best Original Score. The BAFTA Award for Best Film Music. Shared with the Towering Inferno, won a Golden Globe for Best Original Score. Grammy Award for Best Album of Original Score, written for a motion picture or television special. Now, other things, maybe you've heard of this film, Star Wars, with uh, George Lucas. He did uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, another collaboration with Spielberg. He did uh, Superman. He did The Empire Strikes Back, another Star Wars film, Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T. with Steven Spielberg, Return of the Jedi, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Empire of the Sun, another Superman movie, Indiana Jones and the uh, Last Crusade. He did Born on the Fourth of July. Now we get to the 90s. 1990, he did Home Alone, brilliant score. He did Hook. Another Steven Spielberg team-up. He did Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. 93 was easily his greatest year as a composer, and I'll tell you why. He did two iconic scores. One, for a summer movie. I don't know if you've heard of it, Jurassic Park. He was nominated for a Grammy Award for Best Instrumental Composition Written for a Motion Picture or Television. And he ended up winning a ton of awards for a movie that came out later that year called Schindler's List. Both Steven Spielberg movies. For Schindler's List, he won the Academy Award for Best Original Score. He won a BAFTA Award, a Golden Globe, and a Grammy Award for Best Instrumental Composition Written for a Motion Picture or Television. He did the music for 
uh, Seven Years in Tibet, Amistad, Saving Private Ryan, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, Angela's Ashes, The Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, Star Wars Episode Two: Catch Me If You Can, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, Star Wars Episode Three: War of the Worlds, Memoirs of a Geisha, Munich, The Newer Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, War Horse, Lincoln, Star Wars The Force Awakens, Star Wars The Last Jedi, Solo, A Star Wars Story, and in 2019, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. He is still composing today. There are still a lot of things that you hear today, including the Olympics going on right now. Williams has composed music for uh, the Olympics that's still used today, including Olympic fanfare and theme which debuted at the 84 Summer Olympics in Los Angeles, The Olympic Spirit, which debuted in Seoul in 88, Summon the Heroes, which was written for uh, the George, uh, Atlanta Olympics in 96, and Call of the Champions 2002 Winter Games in Salt Lake City. He also uh, did the mission theme, which is the kind of the NBC news theme. I mean, this guy, uh, he's done everything. 90 years old, uh, just an icon, and uh, somebody musically that is, I'm telling you, when John Williams goes, it's going to be a very sad day because this guy has done so much and is legendary. And when we think of these films that he has been a part of, they just are the soundtrack to so many different feelings and so many different emotions. And imagine a movie like E.T. or Jurassic Park without that soundtrack. Imagine a movie like Schindler's List without that soundtrack. It would not be the same. And that just shows you right there the power of music and where music can take you and why it is so important to have somebody like John Williams in your corner. I want to share this with you because this will will basically give you a, a, def, a definition of how respected John Williams is in the industry. This was shared, and this was in one of the books I read about the making of Schindler's List. This is uh, what uh, what John Williams said regarding when Steven Spielberg asked him to score Schindler's List. He said, Spielberg showed me the film. I was so devastated. I said to Steven, you need a better composer than I am for this film. He said to me, I know, but they're all dead. Think of the legendary composers that Spielberg had in his mind when he made that comment. And what uh, what a uh, what a positive thing to say about John Williams, that you're in that class just like Beethoven or Mozart or Mahler or, or uh, some of these other classic composers that we think of. So we raise a frosty mug and uh, we celebrate the birthday boy, John Williams, 90 years old this week happy birthday john more on spotlight picks mark stone tim lingan an action-packed show here this evening this is the trevor j brown show this is the trevor j brown show from inherent dream production company well god works in mysterious ways and god is trying to teach us something when it comes to marjorie taylor green and i think that something is that 
even somebody with such a low IQ can run for political office and win. They can win and go to Washington and represent people. This person can say the dumbest things and there, there seems to be no consequence at all. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, a Republican from Georgia who has become known for her love of conspiracy theories and angry outbursts at Democratic leaders apparently meant to accuse House Speaker Nancy Pelosi of Gestapo police tactics in an interview on Tuesday. But it didn't quite come out that way, and the mistake she made immediately set off a chorus of delighted ridicule from her critics on social media. Rather than compare Pelosi's tactics to the Nazi secret police, she instead compared them to a bowl of chilled soup. Here's her quote. Now we have Nancy Pelosi's gazpacho police spying on members of Congress, spying on the legislative work we do, spying on our staff, and spying on American citizens. Green said on the One America News Network, there's, there's, there's reliable news for you. Yeah, CNN's fake news, but oh, what, what, what news network do you watch? Oh, One America News. Do you ever watch the news from like North Korea? Or some of these other countries that are run by dictators, murderous dictators, the propaganda. That's basically what one American news network is. Real America program. A video snippet of the interview posted online by the Republican Accountability Project went viral on Wednesday. Green, who has a history of making Nazi comparisons and promoting conspiracy theories and misinformation, made the remark while referring to an incident Representative Troy Nels, I believe that's his last name, N-E-H-L-S, Republican of Texas, complained about Tuesday involving U.S. Capitol Police. In a Twitter thread, Nels said that the Capitol Police entered his office on November 20th without my knowledge and photographed confidential legislative products, and that two days later, three intelligence officers attempted to enter my office while the House was in recess to ask about an item that had been photographed inside. Capitol Police Chief Tom Manger denied Nell's claim that he had been illegally spied on, saying instead that a vigilant officer entered Nell's office because the door had been left open after hours. Green said on Tuesday's show that the Capitol Police had been doing the bidding of Pelosi, who is a Democrat of California. I, I find it curious that Republicans want to go down this road. First off, we've said many times on, on this program, there, there is no Gestapo, okay? Stop using this language. I, I don't think you understand what it means. You clearly don't understand what it means. And... I, are, are you that dumb? It's Gestapo, not Gaspacho. Two totally different things. One is a chilled soup, which sounds delicious, by the way. The other is, is not, not a fun thing at all. It's a terrible part of history. It's not delicious. It's, it's heinous. And again, I would tell you to read a book. But I, he clearly can't read. So 
I don't understand. I mean, I, I really don't. I think what God is trying to tell us is that, well, you have free will. You have free will to vote. Don't you think, though, God has bigger fish to fry than worried about elections? I always find it funny when people have in their mind, like, well, this is, this is what Jesus would vote for. You sure about that? Where did we get in our mindset that like Jesus is like straight line Republican? There are there is a segment of of the population where it's like, well, this is what he would this is what he would believe. Those are the same people that uh, like the Catholic Church. You know, you you can't go up and and get communion if you haven't been in the church. You have to go through their whole song and dance. Have you ever been to a Catholic service? Yet somehow I'm the only one when when you go up. Because I didn't grow up Catholic, so you have to you have to cross your arms and you get the blessing. But everybody else that goes up, they 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 somehow get communion. Oh, really? So now we're we're starting off as there's liars in the group. They're so they're so backwards. They won't even go up there and admit that they haven't gone through the whole song and dance with being a true Catholic. No, they can't look like they can't look that way because then people would talk oh my goodness so me the outsider go up and i cross my arms you think but you think jesus would say yeah you know you haven't been through everything so you don't get to eat at my table i don't i just don't see how that works if you believe in god if you believe in jesus jesus would have accepted anybody so that's what i think um, here's, here's one for you. And this, this is just a more on Netflix than, than anything, but uh, Jimmy Carr, who that's honestly, where are Netflix getting these people from? I've never heard of these people condemned for a vile Holocaust joke about uh, the gypsy community. Jimmy Carr has been denounced for a truly disturbing joke made about, uh, the gypsy community and the Holocaust in the latest Netflix special. How do these guys get Netflix specials? I've never heard of you before. The comedian known for his stand-up and roles on shows, including eight out of 10 cats issued a trigger warning to the audience at the beginning of the one hour show, his dark material admitting his performance contained terrible things in a widely shared clip from the show. Carr 49 said, quote, this is his quote. This is his, it's, it's his quote, but here's, here's his joke, his alleged joke. When people talk about the Holocaust, they talk about the tragedy and the horror of 6 million Jewish lives being lost to the Nazi war machine, but they never mention the thousands of gypsies that were killed by the Nazis. No one ever wants to talk about that because no one ever wants to talk about the positives. That's comedy now, I guess. I... And then I'm sure you have people out there that are like, oh, you know what, uh, that's that's funny, don't cancel him, blah, blah, blah. The, the whole bit on cancel culture is all you people are sort of lining up on the side of like, you want to be a part of all of that? You Yeah, you, you have the freedom of speech, you have the liberty to do what you want, but just because you can say something doesn't mean you should. Or just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should. 
It's like the whole thing with Joe Rogan. Now he thinks it's some political hack job because of everything that happened with the Neil Young thing and everything. They they caught him in his old shows. He said the N-word like 26 times or whatever. Like, that's super funny. And now he now he's blaming other people. Now he's, you know, you know this is this is a, you know, this is a hit job on me and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, you know what? I'm not the one that made you say the N-word on your show, okay? But you then there's people defending that. Like, well, he has the right to do it. He's just a comedian. What's funny about it? Again, we're, we're at a point now where it's like, are there any more blowhards out there? Are there any more people that like to hear the sound of their own voice? And look, I know there's plenty of people listening right now saying, well, you know what? You like the sound of your own voice, fat ass. And, you, you know, you have your own podcast. Here's the thing. Most of these people that get these Netflix specials and most of these people that uh, have TV shows are in actors and actresses. They're in movies and on Saturday Night Live. You know, I always think that it'd be so cool to go on Saturday Night Live and be like the musical guest. Maybe one day that's a bucket list thing. That'd be really cool or to host it or to be in a skit or something like that. And then, you know what, then now there's a new side of me where it's like, you know what? I don't think it would be fun because I think most of the people that are on those shows and I think most people that are on TV and in movies, they're egotistical assholes and they're they're not people that we would relate to. They're not somebody that I would relate to. They don't like you. It's like having this this sense that like, well, the people in Washington are representing us. Do you think that Joe Biden gives a rat's ass about people in, in central Minnesota? Do you think Donald Trump cares about you? Donald Trump would call this flyover country. He hates this state. He hates you. He hates me. He, we're nobodies to him. We're peons to them. Doesn't matter if it's Trump or Biden or Obama or Clinton or whoever. We're nobodies to them. They're not your buddy. They're not family. They don't care about your small business. They don't care about your kids. They don't care about your family. They don't care about any of that. They can't relate to you. They can't relate to what you're paying at the gas pump. They can't relate to the food that you're trying to put on your table. You get two bags of groceries, it's 100 bucks. They can't relate to inflation. How can people relate to you with that? How can they relate to you on inflation and gas prices and food prices when they don't do their own shopping? They can't. So quit the bullshit like, oh, this side cares about me more than the other. No, both sides don't give a rat's ass about you. They don't. It's 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 simple. It's really simple. But if you find comfort in listening to Mike Lindell and uh, can, uh, spread conspiracy lies, or if you if you take solace in uh, in Joe Biden stumbling and mumbling in front of a teleprompter, if that gives you a false security blanket, uh, whew, I, I feel bad for you. We have predictions coming up next from uh, Mama Brown. Also, Isaac and Henry Jensen. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show. Jensen Sales Plus makes buying and selling online easy. From Craigslist to Amazon, eBay to Etsy, they do it all. Check out their website for more information, jensensalesplus.com. That's jensensalesplus.com, JSP, located in Princeton and a proud supporter of the Trevor J. Brown Show. All right, let's get some picks for the big game on Sunday. We'll start with Mama Brown. Hi, this is Mother Brown calling. 
Super Bowl Sunday, I'm going to pick the Rams, Los Angeles Rams. want Matthew Stafford to get a, to get a Super Bowl win. I'm going to take the Rams over the Bengals, 37-34. I don't know. All right, bye. All right, there's Mama Brown. Now let's get uh, Isaac and Henry Jensen. Isaac and Henry here calling in to make our Super Bowl prediction. Um, I have got the Bengals beating the Rams 30-27 to with a field goal by Money Mac at the end. <laughs> Henry, who do you got? I got the Rams for 36 and the Bengals for 29. I think the Rams are going to win. Big game, big game. Big game! That's a very interesting score from uh, from Henry. I feel like if that score comes true, that would be the first time in Super Bowl history that we would end up with a final score with those numbers. I've said it all week long. I've said it to coworkers. I've said it to friends. Uh, whoever I pick on the show tonight, run the other way and put your money on the other team because I have not picked a game correct since... Uh, wildcard weekend i'm pretty sure where i got one game right divisional weekend and uh, and no i did because last week i went 0 for 2 and divisional weekend i lost all those games the last weekend that i did really well was wildcard weekend and uh since then i've uh basically done this <laughs> we have much more on the program to come mark stone tim lingen plenty of insight into the big game coming up on Sunday. Also, don't forget, tomorrow morning, as you wake up, we'll have another edition of Bonus Content Saturday. We're uh, continuing to build our playlist, the 1,000 Songs by the Trevor J. Brown Show. You can follow along with this playlist on Spotify. And that's what we do on Saturdays. From time to time, we take a break. We play some new music, some of the new stuff that we're liking. We're going to do a Minnesota music uh, show eventually where we play some of uh, artists and tell you about some upcoming tour dates and uh, all of that good stuff but we've really gotten into a good flow of uh, building this playlist of the 1000 songs follow along and we're adding more to uh, to the playlist tomorrow and of course bonus content saturday is exclusively available on the spotify app this is the trevor j brown show you're listening to the trevor j brown show from inherent dream production company The Trevor J. Brown Show is brought to you by In Good Hands Massage. Be sure to treat yourself to a massage and visit In Good Hands Massage in Malacca. In Good Hands specializes in all types of massage, including deep tissue, relaxation, hot stone, sports massage, and more. Book your appointment today or get your gift cards at facebook.com slash massage by Lindsay. It wouldn't be a Friday during the football season Without Mark Stone, it's free for all Friday, Mr. TNT himself. Stone, how the hell are you? I'm doing good, Trevor. We are two nights away from the Super Bowl, the end of the season, the end of the football season. So always a big celebration, uh, two weeks of anticipation. Uh, Pro Bowl was a dud last week. <laughs> Definitely, I do feel they need to move that back to after the Super Bowl because yeah. – I get a horrible appetizer. I'd rather have a horrible dessert. At least I got to look forward to one more week of football. But putting that, I don't understand why they put this in the middle, in between the two weeks. And all these players that opt out anyways, 
and you're already losing the Super Bowl players. The NFL's got to fix that and also stay out of Vegas. Yeah, and honestly, I I, I get, you know, people are going to say, well, you know, it's an extra week of rest or whatever. I don't understand why we just can't play the Super Bowl right after the, the, the conference championships. Why do we need a week off? I mean, just, just play it the next week. Like, these guys, I get you get the extra week, and there's time to prepare and all of that, but at this point, every team is banged up. Every team is, uh, you know, they're both at the same spots. If you made it to this point in the season, you're dealing with injuries, you're dealing with guys that are banged up. I don't think a whole lot's going to get better in a week, but I'm with you on the Pro Bowl. I think it's moronic to have it in between the conference championships and the Super Bowl, move it to after the Super Bowl again. And in all honesty, I don't even care if you even play the game. Like, just say, yep, you made the Pro Bowl, you're an all-star, great. It really does nothing for me, and it, it never has. It's the worst all-star game. Yes, yes. So maybe, uh, maybe I did hear maybe having the two worst teams play for the right to the number one pick. I think that might be interesting. Well, that would be more entertaining, I feel. I mean, I, I just... I don't know. It, it doesn't do anything for me. It's just it's just kind of boring. The conference championships were a ton of fun. The Bengals going to Arrowhead. They beat the Chiefs. And uh, the Rams beat the 49ers. Uh, how did you uh, – what were your emotions like during that 49ers-Rams game? I'm sure you were on the edge of your seat the whole game. I was on the edge. Uh, even though I felt better going in it than it did against Green Bay. Um, I really felt like San Fran was going to, again, I just feel Kyle's always owned McVay, but Kyle, again, the second half guy conservative ever since this Atlanta meltdown back when he was the offensive coordinator of the Falcons, we've watched Kyle Shanahan. Now this is the second time he's done this with the 49ers. He's got a lead and he lets up on the gas pedal and he gets into conservative mode and the whole thing freaking backfires yeah. he did it in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs he now did it with a 10-point lead going in the fourth quarter against the Rams you can't do it you gotta you gotta keep the pedal to the metal and you gotta allow your guys to win the games um him not going for it on that fourth and one or fourth and two as well when they were in Rams territory uber mistake I still think Kyle Shanahan's a, a great coach but he's got to figure out a way in these big games when when the other team's coming and he's got a small lead getting the whole Atlanta debacle out of his head because it's ruining the way he coaches yeah it's kind of crazy when you look at the the whole way that that game went down because it's not as if you know the Rams won and they outplayed the 49ers I thought the 49ers played a good game but you are totally correct they really took their foot off the gas in the second half. It was sort of the the tale of two halves. They went very conservative in the second half. And the Bengals, I'm telling you, man, I've picked against them all playoffs, and uh, somehow they just keep proving me wrong. Not that I'm anti-Bengals. I just I sort of figured they were a year or two ahead of where they should be, yet they keep proving me wrong. And they probably got their biggest victory unless they win Sunday. But going into Arrowhead – and beating the Patrick Mahomes-led Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, that's their biggest victory in that franchise in, what, 25, 30 years? I mean, my goodness, Joe Burrow just keeps doing everything, and he's only, what, 25? 
Yes, he, he's only in his second season. Again, he's trying to become the first quarterback in history to win an NCAA title, a Heisman Trophy, and a Super Bowl championship. No quarterback has ever done that. So that will be definitely interesting to see if he can pull that off. There's a Namath-esque yeah. quality about Joe Burrow, you know, both both with the attitude, the style, the swag, and and the fact, too, the guy just t- t- keeps taking punishment, and he keeps taking a licking and keeps on ticking, and, and, that's, and he's going to have to do it in this game against the Rams as well because, again, that Cincinnati line, that Cincinnati line is the worst unit that's in this game right now on both sides of the ball, offense and defense. you got to split down your units, the Cincinnati offensive line is the worst unit being represented in this game. Did you hear the uh, the fact? I mean, you you brought it up. If if he wins the Super Bowl, it'll be the first quarterback to have won a Super Bowl, a national championship, and the Heisman. But uh, for guys that have won a national championship and a Super Bowl, that list is only two guys. I know one of them. One is Joe Namath. The other, I think, is Joe Theismann. So if uh, if Joe Burrow wins, it'd be interesting because it'd be three Joes that have done that. That would be kind of a fascinating Jeopardy fact. Yeah, it would. That was a, and I, I didn't even know that. I didn't know that it was only two, and it was Namath and Theismann. I did I, not know that. I, I know for sure it's it's Namath, but I know that I, I think it's Theismann. I'll 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 have to double check that. But uh, um, yeah, an interesting stat that I heard heard last weekend. But yeah, I, I've, been, I've been talking about Joe Burrow and the confidence factor that he has and what he plays with. And, uh, you know, you listen to this guy talk in interviews and pregame and postgame and just how he handles himself. I mean, this guy is the ultimate pro. And it actually sets up a really enjoyable matchup for Sunday. Now, look, I would much rather – I'm sure you would love to have the 49ers in the Super Bowl. Hell, I'd love to have the Patriots there. I – for many, for many many years, the Patriots – have gone to Super Bowls, they've won some, they've lost some. So the last couple of years have been kind of interesting because, you know, I don't really care who wins. You know, last year, I, I guess I kind of rooted for, for Tampa Bay just because uh, you know, Tom Brady, it'd be kind of cool to see him come to the NFC and win one. But I didn't need him to win. You know, it would have been cool to see Patrick Mahomes get another one. I, I didn't really have that pressure. But this this is like the first time in a long time where I have no care at all of who wins this game. And there's really cool storylines either way. Like you could have Joe Burrow get his first and now he's kind of in that same class, maybe as, as a Patrick Mahomes, like Patrick has one, Joe Burrow has one. We've talked for a long time about, well, Mahomes, maybe we're going to see Mahomes have this rivalry with Lamar Jackson. And then we sort of pivoted and we're like, no, maybe it's going to be Mahomes and Justin Herbert. And now we might pivot again and say, oh, maybe it's going to be Mahomes and Joe Burrow, and it might be all of them competing against each other because they're all in the AFC. So you either have that cool storyline, Stone, or you have Matt Stafford, where after he gets off of this train wreck Detroit Lion team, gets to go to a Super Bowl in his first attempt with a real team, and if he wins on Sunday, I will remind you that he will have as many Super Bowl trophies as one Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, you think about just how how much things might have been tables might have been reversed if Aaron ended up going to Detroit yeah. and and Stafford would have went to Green Bay. I mean, Green Bay's got a load of issues right now dealing with Aaron and Aaron's, you know, 
extracurriculars that he that he chooses to do in the offseason and, and put a team through the ringer or whatever. Um, if I'm Green Bay, I think with their current cap situation, I think I get off of Aaron. I think I trade him, um, find a way to get a couple picks back, maybe a receiver. If you're going to Denver, I'd take either Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy back in that trade, as well as a couple first round draft picks. Um, then at least two, you wouldn't need to worry about re-signing Devonte Adams as well. I would then maybe even parlay some of my later picks then by getting those first round picks and get somebody like Jimmy G in green Bay, who has shown he can win in the cold there. If he's healthy, the guy's a winner, plus he knows Shanahan's offense, which is what you run there. So I think Green Bay's got a lot of options. You definitely can't go with the Jordan Love factor. Factor That guy is a, that guy is a bust, <laughs> I think, for sure. Well, that's why I always kind of laughed when people were like, well, they drafted his heir apparent. And I'm like, okay, I know Aaron sat behind Brett for, for many, many years. But I there was like a, it was like a Monday night football game where Aaron Rodgers stepped in. I can't remember if he started or Favre got hurt, but Rodgers came in and we sort of knew right away, like, okay, this guy, he's completing passes. He's reading, he's making his reads. He looked good. Like Aaron Rodgers looked like this is a guy where we could kind of see like, okay, he's not Favre, but he's going to come in and, and figure it out. Every time I've watched Jordan Love, he's looked like a high school quarterback that can't figure it out. Like you can't just automatically assume like, well, they drafted him. They drafted him in the first round and now he's going to come in and, he's he's the guy like that's that's ignorant for us to think like that right no i i totally agree but i think i think green bay definitely needs to pivot here to get out of sorry hell and and make the move and find another quarterback so all of these coaching vacancies what they've all been filled now who do you Correct. who do you like who made the best hire and who made the dumbest hire to me uh I, one of the dumb hires, in my opinion. I, I have no idea what Houston is doing. I legitimately have no idea. I mean, Lovey Smith is a 500 football coach. He last had a winning season, what, 2011 for the Chicago Bears? He got canned from the Bears a few years later. He never had a winning season at the University of Illinois when he coached there. Um, to me, if I'm a Texans fan... Like the name Lovey Smith is nice because it's a name you know, but he's a 500 coach, and I don't know how much energy he's going to bring to an organization when the guy's already 65 years old. Yeah, you got to feel this Houston pick. I don't know what Casario is thinking, especially too. He, I, I think he just feels feels like the fire was too hot around Brian Flores with this with this lawsuit he's yeah. got going on in the NFL, and McNair wouldn't sign off on it to allow him to bring Flores on because to me that seems like the match made in heaven for this team. It's Patriots South. It has been ever since Bill O'Brien's been down there. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't understand why Casario did not go that way instead went with what you could call the safe pick but everybody every when you're looking at the teams that are successful here the teams that are the last team standing you know i think he even had it the last four teams were all offensive coaches i think what five of your last or six of your last eight teams were all offensive coaches these guys going with defensive coaches makes no sense to me none uh, especially when you need to find a way to turn around your crappy offense you need to get an offensive guru uh the the rules in the league are set to favor offensive players you got to find a way to do it and 
them again betting on a retread like Lovey Smith, and same with New Orleans too with with Dennis Allen. Uh, that was it was not exciting for me. It, it was like okay, you're going with the guy in the house. I mean, the good news for New Orleans is Tom retired, so yeah. <laughs> I guess the NFC South is wide open. But the, it, it, it just it's not a splashy hire. And you, you, again, sit here and you watch the likes of Byron Leftwich and Eric Bieniemy still not getting jobs here. And these, these guys, we're going with retread city here. Well, I, I have huge questions about Bieniemy. Like, is he just a terrible interview? Does he not want to move up to be a head coach? Has there ever been a conversation in Kansas City where, like, Clark Hunt has said, you're the guy after Andy? Has Andy told him, like, hey, I'm going to coach for five more years and you're the guy after? Because this is, like, the most uh, – this is, like, the greatest offensive coordinator out there right now, and he didn't get the job. And when guys like him don't get a job, but Nathaniel Hackett does, I mean, I, I – sort of roll my eyes but i i don't know i just i to me the 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 texans hire was awful i'm not a big fan of the bears hire i think they should have went offensive on that because you you're gonna allegedly build around this quarterback that you're so high on and and you went with a defensive guy instead i thought that was a dumb hire well that's just it these defensive hires i mean i think iberflus is a great defensive coordinator i think he's going to be i think I think he's going to be an all right head coach. Now, whether or not it, it's it's all on top of whatever they brought in Green Bay's quarterbacks coach or whatever to be the offensive coordinator there. So it's kind of on him to continue to develop Justin Fields. But I really felt like Chicago, the right fit for Chicago, I felt was Jim Harbaugh. That's who yeah. I would have chased after if I was Chicago. You know, he's all about smash mouth football. He is an offensive guy, even though a lot of people always kind of give defense with him. But he is an offensive guy. And you know, if Harbaugh would have gotten that job, he would have brought Fangio back to be the defense coordinator there. So you would have had that going as well while you're trying to retool this defense a little bit. So, yeah, I really don't understand that hire either as well. But I do feel Ibraflus at least is a better hire than both Lovey Smith and Dennis Allen. Well, I would have, I would have went, I like your Harbaugh pick for Chicago. I would have went, not in any particular order, but I would have went Harbaugh. I would have interviewed Bienemy. I would have interviewed Josh McDaniels. And if you were going to do a defensive guy, which I, whatever you want to do that, how about Dan Quinn? How did Dan Quinn not get another shot? I, I you know, I, Jerry might have thrown more money at him, whatever. But Dan Quinn, we were talking about that Dallas defense for a big chunk of the year, Stone. Well, and that's the other thing too. You, you, you're talking about Jerry. How do we not know behind closed doors Jerry threw more money at him and said if McCarthy continues to f up yeah. here next season True. at the beginning of the season, we're firing him. You're getting the interim, and you're going to lead this thing out and possibly be the next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. So I think that was part of that. I think Quinn was being selective with where he wanted to go. It was obvious he wanted to go to Denver. He did not get that job. But back to something earlier you said, which I thought was pretty profound too. You talk about people hiring Nathaniel Hackett and Minnesota Vikings hiring Kevin O'Connell and the Miami Dolphins hiring Mike McDaniel. Three guys who have never called plays but have had a cup of coffee with the Shanahan (laughs) McVay tree. And all these teams are betting on him also because Zach Taylor now got red hot with Joe Burrow. But when he was offensive coordinator – with the Rams he never called plays either so all these guys are getting these options to call plays I mean to now be the head coach 
and be the play caller. I think it's a big ask, and then, then that ticks me off when you come right back and you say a guy like Eric Bieniemy. well, we don't like the fact that he wasn't calling plays in Kansas City. You can't do that and then interview Mike McDaniel, Kevin O'Connell, and freaking Zach Taylor, everybody else here, even Matt LaFleur, too, even though Matt LaFleur did go to Tennessee and call plays for one year. But these guys who all haven't called plays that are getting jobs because they sit in, in, at the coffee table in the morning with <laughs> Shanahan or McVay, you can't, you can't, you're telling me Andy Reid is any less of a guy? That is bullshit. Yeah, I just, I, I pretend to know what I think I know about this coaching carousel and all of this stuff, but I, I sort of figure too that, you know, Josh McDaniels would be in New England until, you know, Bill, Bill retires. And after all that went down with Indianapolis a few years ago where he took the job and then he backed out, I'm like, something was said. And, and the, there's a reason he's coming back. Well, now, I think New England's like, well, go and figure it out in Vegas and we'll see how you do. I mean, he failed before as a head coach. So if he fails in Vegas, like, do you even want him to be your coach? At that point, if things don't work out in Vegas, I mean, what's to say that they would work in New England? Like that, that you know, you could have your system and everything, but, you know, you, you sort of need to be the guy. And some guys just are more coordinators and some guys are meant to be head coaches. And sometimes it doesn't work out to be a head football coach. So I guess, you know, there's always an opportunity too, where if he fails, they could, he could still go back. Or if he succeeds, you know, there's been trades for coaches before you never know what would happen, but I just, that was in my mindset the whole time. So my thought was, well, maybe Kansas city and Andy Reid and Clark hunt, maybe they had that conversation with the enemy at some point, because I feel like in a lot of these openings, Stone, he wasn't even barely mentioned. And it's just, it's it's very it's very odd to me, like some of these hires where it's like, honestly, Stone, when they hired that guy for, for Miami, I'm like, who the hell is this? Like, I, I, Mike I, McDaniel. Yeah, I had no idea who that guy even was. I am not going to lie. No. Well, Mike McDaniel's been great on the staff. He is he was the run game coordinator since Kyle's been there. And again, San Francisco, you could arguably say, has the best rushing offense in the league. He moved to offensive coordinator this year when when Michael LaFleur left for the New York Jets um, to be Robert Salas because he was the passing game coordinator. So, so again, but he, even though he was promoted offensive coordinator. And he oversee the whole thing and put the game plan together. It's still Kyle executing. Yeah. Kyle's the one calling plays in the game. Um, back to enemy real quick too. Bienemy's a free agent. Yeah, he's, he's not under contract right now. So even if Clark Hunt said come back here and everything like that, you would think enemy would be rushing back to sign a contract. So I don't know necessarily if that conversation's ever been had. I think he might be thinking maybe I need to reboot here with somebody else and and, and get a little bit more respect than what I'm getting staying under Andy. Well, and and I because I I read that this morning actually because uh, I didn't know that he was his contract was up. And the name that's being floated around where if Andy Reid needs a replacement is Matt Nagy. And I'm like, well, that that could be a good fit. But I don't know. Like, uh, I, I do Nagy what it was the one that was in this role right before the enemy. I, I do whatever I want to keep uh, Patrick Mahomes happy. So if he has a good working relationship with the enemy, I throw cash. Otherwise, bring in Nagy and, and hopefully that they have a good relationship, too, because Mahomes ain't going anywhere. Uh, back to New Orleans for a second as we continue on this coaching conversation before we get our Super Bowl picks. That is, 
the Lovey, I don't know what's more of a retread hire, Lovey Smith or Dennis Allen. This guy had a shot, what, about a decade ago with, with uh, the Oakland Raiders at the time. I get you hire in-house, whatever, but this hire to me, Stone, just reeks of New Orleans is about one to two seasons away from tearing everything down to do a full rebuild. And instead of just doing it now, they just decide to like, well, let's see if we can piece together a couple more seasons and uh, before we uh, strip everything down to the studs. Well, you're, you're, you're watching, you're watching the Hail Mary pass from Mickey Loomis and, and the Benson family here in trying to salvage this thing because they're also just like Green Bay in salary cap hell. They went all in here at the end of Breeze's career the same way Green Bay did. They back, you know, they backlogged all the signing bonuses and everything else. So now you're over the cap. You've got to find ways to make it happen, restructures, whatever. Bottom line is you're going to be stuck with Taysom Hill as your starting quarterback. Now, they brought in a guy yesterday on Thursday I was reading. They brought in a guy who knows a thing or two about crappy quarterbacks and trying to and trying to salvage them in Doug Marone coming over from <laughs> coming over from uh, from Alabama and Marone who was in who was in again Nick Saban's uh, therapy sessions for coaches, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. You know, now all of a sudden gets a second chance as quarterbacks coach or he might even be offensive coordinator. I don't know. He's one or the other, but he's 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 quarterbacks coach. Carmichael's still gonna be there as offense coordinator. So he's coming in as quarterbacks coach to get Taysom Hill on board. And we've watched Doug Marone too work with the likes of EJ Manuel Ooh. and and uh, and also Blake Bortles in the past. So we know Doug Marone can come and deliver. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out there oh, in New Orleans. What division will be worse next year, Stone? The NFC East or the NFC South? The South next year, look, the, the, how the mighty have fallen. The, look, the, maybe the Bucks land some free agent quarterback or maybe they go out and make a trade for Rodgers or Wilson or, or somebody like that. But at this point on your depth chart, number two is Blaine Gabbert. He moves to number one because Tom Brady retired. I'm not sure if you know who Tom Brady is. Then in, in, in New Orleans, you have Taysom Hill, which he's he's a good gadget player, but he's not a, he's not a starting quarterback in the league. Carolina, who knows what the hell they're going to do. And Atlanta, you have like 90-year-old Matt Ryan. So I think the winner of that division next year probably wins uh, eight games, eight, nine games. Maybe. No, I'm in agreement. There's a quarterback issue in that whole division. No, the rumor is Carolina is going to take a quarterback with the first pick of the draft. But again, even though it's starting to skyrocket after the senior bowl and everything else, we've got four quarterbacks that everybody believes are first round picks. I really don't know if any of these guys are ready to be instant starters. And if any of these guys either can turn around a franchise. So I don't know why everybody's getting so excited about that. I still believe that you're, you're big thing here is it's kind of like you mentioned trying to make a blockbuster trade of some kind to uh to uh turn this around here any any one of those four teams and uh, new orleans carolina uh atlanta or even god who am i forgetting in that tampa in that division tampa bay and tampa bay any one of those four gets a a true starting quarterback even somebody as crappy as kirk cousins automatic winner of the division 
Well, yeah. Can, I mean, the way that Tampa's built, I know the guys. A lot of guys came back on short deals, but they're only one year removed from from a Super Bowl. I think if you bring in a guy like Russell Wilson, if his time is up in Seattle, I I, I go and try to make a play like that. Bring in a guy like him. Um, you know, see what you can do. Um, yeah, and, and go from there. Because obviously, uh, going from Brady to Gabbert, that's that's pretty uh, big downgrade on the uh, on the depth chart. Mark Stone, our guest. All right, let's talk about Sunday before I let you go. Before we get your game pick, what's on the menu for Sunday? Most important. That, that Screw the game. What's on the menu? Well, the wife and I are going to discuss the menu here after after I'm off the phone with you because i got to run to Costco tomorrow because I've got 12, along with my son, maybe 13, STMA varsity football players that will be over here tomorrow. Wow. To chow down and probably clean me out <laughs> for months on end. So for sure we're gonna have the wings. We're gonna so, have some chili. So, we're gonna hold have some on, hold on. Subs. Grocery bill when you go to Costco, that's easily a two hundred dollar run, right? It, that's what it's sounding like. <laughs> yeah, it's starting it's starting to pile up to be that. Oh. So <laughs> So wings, so, yeah. wings. What what did you say? Wings, pizza, chili. I got no pizza. Oh. I'm doing wings. I'm doing wings. I'm doing chili. I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing. Uh, what was the third? Meatballs. Meatball hoagies. Oh. Doing that. Um, my wife's putting together some jalapeno chicken pinwheels or oh. something on that. Maybe might break out the queso. Maybe get some shrimp as well um if the weather's right again the weather's all over the place but if we end up getting around 30 degrees i may fire up the grill as i've got as i've got uh, a whole case of no name steak burgers oh. in my freezer so i might break those out to feed these hungry you, gentlemen you might have to as well you yeah, might, yeah. You, you might have to. So that, and of course, there'll be various dips around, like spinach and artichoke yeah. dip. I think my wife wants me to pick up some kind of corn dip, uh, like Fritos corn dip or whatever that they've got at Costco in the big tub. Oh. She wants me to get that, so I, I got to check that out. So, I mean, a couple things going on here. The venue's sure enough not finalized yet, but... Again, we're well on our way. What do you got going, Big Mac? We are doing. Uh, <laughs> we only have five people. It's it's me, Mama Brown, Papa Brown, Brother Harrison, and my wife. It's five people, and we're gonna have enough food for like twenty five people. But uh, my dad and brother want chicken, so we're doing like a chicken. Uh, we we were gonna order wings. I'm too lazy to make the wings, so we were <laughs> we were gonna order wings from like Coburn's. But the lady was like, I can't, I, we have a wing shortage right now. I can't, I, I can't just give you wings. So I'm going to stop and pick up like a chicken meal instead. So we're going to have like, if you want chicken and Jojo's and then we're going to be having pizza and Lindsay's going to make her Buffalo chicken dip and we're going to have a veggie tray and a tray full of cookies. And uh, it's going to be great. I, I love it. This is also one of the first years in a long time where I'm not cooking anything. I'm like, picking it up at the store, putting the pizza in the oven. Uh, most years, Stone, I have, you know, made a ton of appetizers and, and put them out and decorated stuff, and I'm just, I'm too tired this year. I just want to sit back and enjoy the game and put my feet up and not have to 
stress out in the kitchen. So I'm kind of taking the lazy approach this year. But, uh, you know, regardless, it'll be fun. So who do you like in this game? Give me a score. What do you got? Okay. So as the, let's reset a little bit. Last time I was on the show, we were doing the conference championships. And as you all know, I went 0-2. I picked the Chiefs to meet the 49ers in this Super Bowl. We did not have that. I did have the 49ers and the Chiefs in the NFC and the AFC championships, respectively, at the beginning of the season. So at least I can pat myself on the back and having that right. Uh, my other picks being Buffalo and Tampa Bay, of course, fell a little bit short of that. But considering, like I said, I did not see the Rams kind of bringing it this much and bringing it all together. I definitely did not see the Bengals getting here. But again, hats off to Joe Burrow and what he has done and what he has become. But back to it. So it backfired last week on the Stone Cold Lock of the Week. Dropped to 16-5 and five after that. However, the Carved in Stone Bet of the Week did come through as, again, the Rams only won by four points and I told by three points and I told you to take the Niners at a plus four which I said was too big or a plus six it was whatever it was it was plus three and a half I think it was plus three and a half and I said the Rams are only going to if they're going to win this game only by a field goal so the carved in stone bet of the week is still red hot here baby so getting to the game here's where I'm at you want to bet you're going to put the money down, and this line has moved slightly, but it has not moved lately. I'm still looking at it. It's what I put my bet on last week. The Los Angeles Rams at negative four. I'm taking that bet. Again, Bengals have done really, really well, but games like this, playoff games are one in the trenches, folks, and the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line is a huge liability, especially when you look at what Aaron Donald can do up the middle, what Von Miller has been doing the last four to five weeks coming in from the outside. The guy looks like it's a throwback to when Denver won the won the Super Bowl coming in from the edge. You got Fowler over on the or Floyd over on the other edge as well. This, this uh, Rams defensive line is going to do the same thing to the Bengals that it did to the 49ers, overpower that line for sure in the fourth quarter and probably earlier as the Bengals offensive line is not as good as the San Francisco offensive line. However, you still do have Joe Burrow behind center there, and Joe Burrow, the man who took nine sacks from Mike Vrabel's Tennessee defense and still live to talk about it for another day <laughs> is going to be able to keep the Bengals in this game. Now, I think Jalen Ramsey's probably going to shadow uh, Jamar Chase all game long, shutting him down. So again, I would expect big games from Tyler Boyd and T Higgins attacking the middle of that Rams defense. Everybody wants to talk about Eric Weddle and what he's done coming off the couch here in the in the Super Bowl. Eric Weddle is a freaking liability, and he's going to be a liability in this game because you want to know why? Because the Bengals aren't going to run the football because they can't. He's great against the run. He's an in-box safety, but when you've been on your couch the last two years and you come out of retirement, you can't pass cover. And guess what? Tyler Boyd's going to have a 
huge game in this. It's going to keep the Bengals in it. However, I do think it's going to be back and forth, back and forth, and it's going to come down to the fourth quarter again, just like it has in all these games these guys have been in. But I do think the Rams drive it. I think the Rams drive down the field, score a touchdown in a tie game with maybe two minutes to go. And the Bengals then can't do anything with it. couple prop bets I like in this game. Evan McPherson, I think, is at one and a half field goals. Bengals have been booting field goals all season long. I like the over on that. I like to hit him. Plus, if it, if you got a, if you can get a hold of a prop bet of who's the first to score in this game, if the Bengals freaking win the coin, to, I mean, if the Bengals get the ball first, I would put the whole house on Evan <laughs> McPherson kicking the first points of the game on that. And lastly, if I'm picking the third prop bet, if you're talking about what they're going to do with the coin toss, put all your money on defer, whoever it is. Bengals, Rams, both of these teams have deferred all year when they've won the coin toss. So that's where your money is there, baby. Those are the three prop bets I like. What's uh, what's the score you got? My final score on this, so right now 48 and a half points is what your total is for the over and under. I think you're going to bet the under on this. I don't think it gets to that. So again, when I'm talking about it, I think your final score on this game is 24-17 Rams. I like it, man. Enjoy all the food. Enjoy uh, the full house. Enjoy the game, and uh, we'll recap the whole season with you uh, next uh, next week, my friend. Sounds great, Trevor. Always a pleasure being on, and can't wait for the Super Bowl this weekend, and can't wait for another free-for-all Friday on the Trevor J. Brown Show. It is the show. It is your show. <laughs> That's Mark Stone. We're right back. This is the Trevor J. Brown Show from Inherent Dream Production Company. Did you know Inherent Dream Production Company is more than just the Trevor J. Brown Show? Inherent Dream is home to Musical Acts Chairman of the Board, TNV, Trevor J. Brown, and the Food and Song Compilation Series. Albums are available now at inherentdream.bandcamp.com or stream anywhere you get your music. Big thanks to Mark Stone for joining us here this evening on Free For All Friday. We got Stone's pick. He's taking the Rams. Mama Brown is taking the Rams. Isaac Jensen is taking the Bengals. Henry Jensen is taking the Rams. And now we have Tim Lingen on the program. I think this is the first time in the history of this program where we've had all of our main contributors on the same program on the same night how about that tim how are you oh, i'm great man thanks for having me on this uh, star-studded lineup that we've got star-studded lineup we're gonna do uh we're gonna do a little football chatter we'll get your picks and then i also want to talk nba trade deadline with you as well let's start with this game i was telling stone this is like the first time in a long time where it's two teams not that i'm not excited about the game but I don't really give a rat's ass who wins this game. There's like no pressure on it at all. You know, Patriots aren't in it. Tom Brady's not in it. Not that I needed Tom Brady to win last year, but I mean, it would have been kind of cool to see him win or the other, you know, the, you know, I need one obviously or Patrick Mahomes gets his second last year. So, but you know, I kind of thought it was cool that Brady won, but now this year it's like, I have no, I have no vested interest in the Bengals. I have no vested interest in, 
in in the Rams. It's just the game, and I get to sit back and relax and watch it. What do you like in this game? Who's going to win? Yeah, um, to your point, these games end up being really fun because you know you always root for your team, but if the, if your team's out of it, there's always like these secondary teams that. Uh, that you're into or teams you don't want to go or whatever, but I'm with you. These two teams lining up, I'm, I'm in the same boat where it's just like, I'm excited to watch a good football game, which is I think exactly what we've got. Um, you've got the stars studded. We've been piecing this together with big trade moves and free agent signings and things with the Rams. And then you've got more of the uh, build through draft capital and whatnot uh, with the Bengals and, I think uh, on the Bengals side of things, it could be a huge like ride the wave of momentum and capitalize with with Super Bowl win, or it could be are the lights too bright and they're not quite ready? Because um, I mean, you think about it, the last couple of years, the Bengals have gone from a two win team to a four win team to a ten win team, and now riding into the Super Bowl, uh, they they haven't really been here with these you know some rookies or second or third year players and things like that so you know and on the other side of the of the ball there's there's guys who have have been uh to the dance or uh, you know maybe have a ring or i i don't know everyone off the top of my head on the roster but you know maybe some some experience there uh whereas the, the bengals could be shy away from the moment but uh i am leaning into the the riding the momentum off of the kc win and I, I think that the Bengals will get it done, actually. Uh, I'm going underdog and that they'll finish it off. There's just so many storylines in this. And then I play the what-ifs in my head. And one of the things I thought about today, because I want to preface this by saying I haven't gotten a pick correct in the playoffs here since Wild Card Weekend. I was shut out Divisional Weekend. And last weekend, I went 0-2. for 2. So to our listeners, whoever I pick tonight run the other way and put your money on the other team because odds are I'm going to be wrong. But I think of the storyline of, okay, if Matthew Stafford wins, how cool that's going to be. You know, we live in Minnesota. I'm not a Vikings fan, but we hear about Aaron Rodgers all the time. Well, he's one of the greatest of all time. Well, if, if Matthew Stafford gets, gets a, a, a Super Bowl trophy, he'll have as many Super Bowls as, as Aaron Rodgers. And I'm not saying statistically he's as good as Aaron Rodgers, but he was always a top 10 quarterback in Detroit statistically. He was always very good for the crappy teams that he had. So I think we sort of overvalue in a way. Now, Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Famer, don't get me wrong, but in a way with stats, we sort of overvalue Aaron Rodgers a little bit. On the other side, if Joe Burrow wins, this is like incredible territory. He would be the first quarterback ever to win a national championship, a pro football championship and the Heisman. I mean, that that's, that's rare air right there. Um, you now I think about the Bengals and I'm like, I didn't think that they would go this far. I picked against them wild card weekend yet. Here they are. We always talk about those teams that get hot at the right time. Like back in, in 2000, when Baltimore, that defense, but they kind of got hot at the right time. The New York giants. Oh, seven. When they beat the Patriots, they kind of got hot at the right time in the second half of the year. I, I think maybe the Bengals are that team this year. Stone mentioned uh, as of tonight, the over-under was like 48 and a half. I think we go under in the game. I think it's going to be more defense 
than what people are going to want to see in this game. When people when these teams come out in the first quarter, even if it's these two offensive juggernauts, there's always there's always some some nerves at the beginning of the game. I, of course, it's going to come down to the turnovers, who makes the least amount of mistakes, but I'm going under on the 48 and a half, and I'm going with the Bengals in this game. I'm kind of leaning right now like a like a 21 to 18 type game. Yeah, I can see that too because I mean. LA has been um, formulating their roster around their defense for a, a bit now, so they've got plenty of pieces. But uh, Cincinnati, prior to drafting, you know your Joe Burrow and your Jamar Chase and thing, they have been loading up on the defensive side of the ball too. So they they have a very stout defense, and uh, it could be a struggle. I, I give you the X factor for the game for me, and the thing that could swing it the other way. You know, I pick the Bengals, but to me, it's Aaron Donald. Um, if Aaron Donald is playing the way that he does and in, in wrecking the line of scrimmage and getting after Burrow, um, that allows Jalen Ramsey to be more effective in holding in coverage and whatnot. But um, if, if he's not, if he's not pressuring quarterback and uh, Cincinnati's able to buy Burrow some time, then it's harder for those corners to do their job. You know, maybe you get those strikes downfield and stuff like that. So um, I think defensive game and Donald is – is the X factor to me of the whole thing. Well, and the Cincinnati offensive line is a huge train wreck. That's the biggest liability in the game. So uh, Aaron Donald, if he has the day of days, he could be the Super Bowl MVP and he could get the Super Bowl sack record. I don't know what that is for for the Super Bowl. Uh, I would guess it's probably two or three. I don't know. Maybe it's more. But he is capable of having that type of day, especially against this offensive line. So... We'll see. I'm just excited. Again, you know, both these teams, I, I have nothing vested in them. So whoever wins, awesome. I think the halftime show is going to be great. It's something that's a little bit different. We haven't really seen an all-star hip-hop lineup. So I'm excited for that. And I'm excited for, for all the food on Sunday as well. Before I let you go, um, the trade deadline was this week in the NBA. And we were texting back and forth with our buddy Mike. I mean, is there a bigger pain in the ass in the league than James Harden? This guy now is, you know, he's on his fourth team. He's going to Philadelphia now. I just, you know, a year ago, you demanded to get out of Houston. You didn't want to be there. Then you go team up with your buddy, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. It didn't work out there. And now you're on your third team in less than a year. I mean, my goodness, this is embarrassing. I mean, I, this is the new this this is nothing new in the nba though this is this is the the dawn of uh this, this is this is the lebron james era it's the it's the egotistical players and it's i'm gonna team up with my buddies but it's it's these guys it's just it, it sort of takes the fun out of the game in my opinion well unfortunately guys aren't being held accountable you know they sign these massive contracts and they don't honor them you've got like the uh, not to veer away from Harden, but you got like the the other side of the trade is the Ben Simmons side of things, where he still had years left on his deal, yeah. and he just decided I'm not going to do it. And I mean, he ended up pouting his way out. They they moved him, um, which I mean sets a precedent that that kind of behavior is okay, and that players dictate their situation, and you end up with guys, you know being shipped like you said to three teams in the in a season and a half or whatever it's been I, um harden to me is the quintessential it sounded like a good idea at the time 
like you know we 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 package this this uh this deal and make this big splash move and now he's going to pair with Embiid and we're going to wreck the league because Embiid's an MVP and Harden and all this and watch it not work like the, wherever Harden goes it uh, well, it falls apart one way or another and you hit it on the head I mean watch it not work Embiid at best at best is going to get you 70 games a year he's easily going to miss 10 to 12 that's a minimum if if we're lucky if we're lucky, he misses 10 games, 10 to 12 games. But odds are, at some point in the year, Joel Embiid will be out with a back issue or a knee issue, and he's going to most likely every season miss 20 to 30 games, if not more. James Harden is the other thing. I mean, the guy this whole past week was out because of a sore quad or whatever he had. Now, I think that's a lie because he was sitting out because he wanted to be traded. So. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just all these guys, you know, and then other guys that we think were going to be important. Porzingis got moved again. Washington, in my opinion, pretty much just said, well, we've fallen from a top four seed to basically out of the playoffs. We're sellers. They basically gave up everybody and got this terrible. I don't know if Porzingis, I don't know if his deal is expiring or not, but Porzingis was a big deal about four years ago. He <laughs> hasn't been the same since. No, and that's another, just another team. And I, I mean, that was another text that I hit in there. I'm like, remember when he was going to save the Knicks? Yeah. And like, then he get this big move to Dallas. And now it's a move, a, a quiet move to Washington. What a fall from grace that's been. Yeah. I, you know, and with the Wolves standing pat, I guess I, I don't necessarily mind it. I think some of the players that they could have got would have looked nice, but the asking price was way too, way too much. I think you stand pat. At this point, it would take, a pretty big fall if they didn't even make the play-in game. I mean, you, yeah. you make the playoffs, you see what happens. The only problem with that is some of these teams that are in that same boat, they went out and made moves. One of those teams that made a move kicked the crap out of them the other night with uh, with Sacramento getting some bonus. Um, New Orleans made some moves. A fat-ass Zion can ever uh, lose like 50 pounds and get back on the court. I mean, teaming up with, with the guys there, that, that could be nice, but to me, Zion Williamson is one of the biggest busts so far in NBA draft history as a number one. Oh, and and I don't think I'm being I don't think I'm being uh hard enough on him. I mean the guy had all these expectations and he has missed a ton of time. And uh you know, I don't think he cares about his body. I don't think he cares about that that organization. I mean, when you come to camp and you weigh what I weigh, I mean that's that that ain't good, dude. Yeah, that ain't gonna well, cut it. And what's got to be disappointing for the fan base, or um, you know, just for the NBA in general, is when he's been on the court, he's shown flashes of brilliance. Yeah, and so it shows like what you're missing by his his laziness and a lack of interest in in being the star that he should be. Um, you know, we mentioned the Wolves and standing pat and stuff. But for me, I don't know what they said no to or what they tried and got turned down to. So it's hard to, like, totally fairly evaluate. I mean, maybe they had something on the table that just fell through, or or maybe they just sat there and be like, we're good, I don't know. But um, sometimes it, it's it's not only about the moves that you make, but the ones that you don't. And sometimes you can talk yourself into, a, you know, a bad player or a bad contract or something because you feel the pressure to make a move, and it's not the right one. The only, the only guy, the only name that I saw where, uh, who, who was it? You said Harrell moved? 
Yeah, uh, for nothing. To Charlotte. I mean, if you could have got him for that, I would have loved him here. That would have been a great guy to bring in, kind of a veteran leader. He won sixth man, what, a couple years ago with the Clippers. I mean, to put him coming off the bench, that would have looked real nice, but I wouldn't have given up more than a pick for him or some well, crappy player. Charlotte didn't even have to give up draft capital. They gave up, like, Ish Smith and some guy I've never heard of um, who's averaging, like, 2.3 points a game or something I was reading. Yeah. So that they gave up a bag of sun chips for him. <laughs> um, so, yeah, a move like that would have would have been nice. Um but again, maybe the Timberwolves front office reached out and uh, Washington said, "No, we like uh, we yeah. like this brand of Sunships better than the one you're <laughs> offering." I don't, I don't know. Who knows? Well, hey, you know what? Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, I just I hope that they make the playoffs, and it would be an interesting run. I hope you enjoy the game on Sunday, and uh, eat lots of good food, and enjoy the game, and enjoy. Eminem and Dr. Dre and Snoop and Mary J and Kendrick Lamar at the halftime show as well. Oh, you know it. You do the same. Tim Lingen tonight here on the Trevor J. Brown show. That's all we have time for this evening. We're back next week. Stone will be with us to recap the uh, Super Bowl and all of the uh, latest football season as we put to rest the, the season of the National Football League. Have a great weekend, everybody. This has been the Trevor J. Brown Show. The opinions expressed on this show do not express the views of staff, management, or sponsors of Inherent Dream Production Company or streaming services where the show may be heard. The Trevor J. Brown Show is produced by Inherent Dream Production Company.